Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Mark Brassell. And I'm Timothy Plain. Each week we discuss filmmaking topics and give you our point of view on them, not as experts, but just as two filmmakers trying to figure it out for ourselves. So today we have another very special guest, just like all our very special guests. And Steve, I'm trying to remember exactly how we came across Steve. I think he might have just sent us an email. He sent us a cold email about his new short film. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I thought it was kind of warm. I thought it was a warm. It was a warmly worded email, but it was cold. We did not know Steve before this email came. You make it sound like I was like, "Hey, mofos, put me on your show. (laughs) Put me on, or else." He's cold. That's a cold email. Well, yeah. So Steve sent us an email, and I and it was. I mean, it was basically asking to come on as a guest on the show, and it had like a press release attached to it, and saying, "Hey, my new short film's done, and it's about to hit the festival circuit, and the first dates of the festival are in March. Can I come on and talk to you guys?" And usually this never turns into anything, to be honest, to people, for everyone. Yeah, or we don't ignore them. We just respond and politely reject them. Yeah, or usually we follow up with at least one more email saying, specifically, what do you want to talk to us about? And Steve's story interested me because there's a few things that stood out, like, one, I love that he's not in LA. Like, I always like hearing stories about people making movies. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, So making movies outside of LA, like his new film was shot in Baton Rouge, right? Right. Um, You live in Jersey. And then his story about how his first film got him meetings with like the Fairley Brothers and Sony and Robert Simmons. And he had meetings with IFC and was like, wow, those are all like really big names. I want to hear more about that and why those did or did not work out. Now, was that in his email or was that something? It was. Yeah, that was was in his first. Like, I think the follow up, like, I think you Uh, sent me, I think Timothy sent me an email and I like just what you guys stated. It was sort of like, we wouldn't mind talking to you, but it was kind of like, we don't know what angle. Right. To, right, yeah. to go with here. And then I just kind of laid out some, I and I was kind of new to your podcast and I wasn't sure right. what you guys had discussed already. So I just kind of um, laid out some things that might kind of pique your interest, you know? Yeah. And I think that's the difference. Like, cause you know, we want to talk to everybody that we can, but you know, if you, you're just, you know, sending us your movie, either a feature or a short, it's like, that's not really enough, you know? Cause like we've done those podcasts already with other guests. We talked about Evan Kidd being like the titular, you know, type. <laughs> we, like, he was like our first, yeah. Kind of cold email turned into a podcast. And yeah. It's like, uh, do we need to do that again? Yeah. Cause right. the stories are very similar, but if you can find, a deeper layer then it's like okay let's talk about some stuff you know yeah, the other thing i also liked steve is like you the way you presented yourself to me was like it just seemed so real and i don't know you just you weren't like trying to like pretend like you were somebody you weren't i don't right, know there's something right. about your approach that was just like all right this guy's like just a nice guy he's not like hey man i gotta come on because my movie's the best thing in the world or i don't know i don't know exactly how to explain it but there's just a vibe that I got from you. But anyways, right. we haven't even introduced you yet. Everyone, <laughs> our guest today is Steve Harold. Welcome to the podcast, Steve. Thank you. And I, I truly appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, like I said, I'm new to your podcast and 
I've been listening, trying to catch up on some episodes, and uh, I've been enjoying them immensely. Oh, good. Oh, awesome, man. Well, you're like our like prime demographic, basically, of uh, yeah. who the show's for. So, yeah, exactly. You know. <laughs> I mean, somebody who's just finds ways to make movies, even though they're not like employed in the, the, the position that they want to be employed in. That's the other thing I forgot to mention is that you're working in reality TV, which I thought was like so fascinating. I don't think we've talked to anyone that's worked in oh, really? reality TV, but actually, no, we had like one guest that did. Um, but I just think that that's like such a market where there are probably so many people that are doing it. And I'd love to hear kind of more about that. So with that, why don't you give us your one minute bio? Who are you? Where'd you come from? What are you doing? All that stuff. All right. Well, I grew up in New Jersey. Uh, I went to film school at the School of Visual Arts in New York City. Um, when I graduated, and I mainly went to film school because I wanted to direct. And I did a little, I didn't do, and which is weird because I didn't really do as much of that there as I should have. After college, I was working with a sketch comedy group and we all, or not all of us, we, half of us, we started shooting some sketches and half of us moved to Los Angeles. And that was sort of all, always my goal because I've always, since I was a kid, had sort of a fascination with Los Angeles, mainly originally because of Hollywood. Yeah. So we went out there and, you know, kind of stumbled around and what have you. But then I came back to New Jersey and that's when I sort of, I'd been working on some scripts out there with a friend of mine who I used to write with. And when I came back to New Jersey, I kind of came back which sounds weird, like I sort of came back to New Jersey to kind of figure out how to get the career going. You know, I'd worked on some stuff. I worked at Roger Corman's place in down in Venice oh, uh, nice. on some stuff. And uh, <clears throat> I worked on some independent stuff out there, at, like as part of the crew, like grip stuff and whatever, PA and all that. But, so um, so but, how long were you in Los Angeles for? Uh, like, I think five years back in like the 90s, the late 90s, I was there for like five years. And I just kind of hit a point where I think I was getting a little, I kind of felt like I was getting a little lazy out there, you know, and um, as weird as it sounds, because, you know, it's a company town, it's the business, you know, is even though a lot of stuff would go elsewhere to shoot it still was I mean, you could go to Los Angeles today. And if you drive around, there's a good chance you're going to see some little something shooting somewhere. I mean, it, it's, uh, right. so, totally. so, but I came back here cause I just felt like I had to get my shit together. And that's when I decided I was going to make a short film. And, and, oh, and that and short film was called. And that was the infamous HR puke and shit. <laughs> <laughs> One of the HR best names ever, yeah. which, <laughs> which was actually a friend of mine out there who just made a short film a very good short film called Hush Hush that's done really well on the festival circuit. But back then, it was like 2000, I think. He was thinking about doing a short film, and he asked me if I, he, if I had any ideas. He was like, I'm trying to think of something. Do you have anything? And then I just, you know, as ideas, you guys are filmmakers, you know, sometimes these things just pop in your head. And I had this idea, <laughs> yeah. and I sent it to him. I think originally it was sort of something going to be a little bit of like an adult kind of parody of like the old, I don't know if you guys are familiar with them, but like the old Sid and Marty Croft shows like, well, obviously HR Puff and stuff, but like more specifically Sigmund and the Sea Monsters, like all those shows were like 
some kids got this weird friend and the friend was usually some sort of puppet or costume thing, you know, and that yeah. was sort of the germ of the idea. But it was also loosely kind of based on, I grew up a huge fan of like Letterman and Chris Elliott. And I used to love Chris Elliott's show, Get a Life. And he did an episode where there, he had this like alien showed up and it was just like, and he would like <laughs> treat it like it was his best friend. So in Germany, the idea kind of came from that too. But I came up with this idea and I offered it to him. I said, hey, I had this weird idea, you know, and it was basically about a guy getting dumped by his girlfriend and he decides he's going to drink himself to death and he throws up and his vomit comes to life as his guardian angel and is going to show him why life is worth living. <laughs> And, yeah, which you know, was real like high, real high brass stuff. We're I mean, I don't know. I didn't know. I watched the movie and I had no idea what to expect. And right. uh, as soon as that happened, I was like, "Oh, this yeah. is fun. <laughs> this is where we're going. This is where but we're going." <laughs> it was, you know, and and he, you know, he ended up not doing it. And then I was just like, "Well." you know, screw it, I'll do it. You know, and we shot it on 16 millimeter and, you know, the stuff I had shot in film school was all kind of just like backyard gang, you know, kind of filmmaking, I would call it. But this was like the first film where I, you know, I had to hire a DP and crew and sound guy and, you know, I kind of really do it the right way, so to say, you know? Yeah. And so, what was this like six years out of school that you made this film? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And you were back in Jersey at this time at the time you made the film? Right. Yeah. That's yeah, funny. Was, yeah. And I, I mean, I was back here and that's I was still writing with my friend who was in Los Angeles. We were still working on scripts because I think that, that's sort of where the idea with the sh where doing the short film came from. It was like, mm -hmm. you know, the old route was like writing scripts and trying to send query letters around and all that nonsense. Yeah, I mean, this was 2000. So the landscape for independent filmmaking was different than it was right. than it is now. And that was the, the thing. This, the, the, the idea was sort of like, you know, that route of like trying to get an agent interested in us is like, you know, we'd done that. We'd gotten a f few meetings with certain agents, but it was all like, this is nonsense, you know? And, uh, and we realized that, or I realized, you know, like, I think we need to make a short film as like a kind of calling card to try to, you know, sort of promote the scripts and hope that somebody might see the short film and say, hey, well, this is kind of interesting. Like, yeah, what do what you guys, you guys got any scripts or what, anything like that? I mean, that was really the, it wasn't like I had this idea for this film and I was like, I got to make this. It was really, you know, about <laughs> right. like, it was Let's really about ourselves. like we need some. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how did you raise the money for the short? It was all out of pocket. I mean, and, you know, I and what was roughly the budget? Um, I think it was about 10 grand, more, more or less, something like that. Wow. Yeah, I think That's it was awesome. about 10 grand. I wonder how much of that was film and how much of that was yeah, yeah. everything else. I, I should, you know, I should have dug the old budget up and see, but, uh, but I, I can't even recall like how much of that was, you know, I got good deals on like the DP kind of, you know, we did have to rent a little bit of equipment, but he, you know, as you hope your DP, he had some connections at rental houses and could get us, got us some deals like on a dolly and stuff like that. And he oh, came nice. with his, two, you know, he had his two guys, one's an AC and one's kind of a gaffer, you know. And uh, so he brought them along and like in his package and he had a camera, um, you know, and the sound guy was separate. But the sound guy was also somebody he had worked with. So I got kind of, you know, I got kind of deals on on uh, on those guys, you know, as as always, even the last, even this latest film I did, you know, I got deals, pretty good deals from crew. Um, nice. 
But I, so, I, I can't I can't remember how much was actually right. filmed. Obviously, a, a lot chunk. of it. Yeah, a yeah, good yeah, chunk. yeah, yeah. So you know, you you make this movie, you get it done. Um, it's edited. You know what happens next? When we were editing, one of the, like one of the good things that came out, we were editing a friend of mine, Phil. He works at Atlantic Records. He's like the head of like their video department at Atlantic Records, and he luckily offered to edit it. So again, you know, like we're editing on Avid free of charge. We do it after hours at Atlantic Records. And I was trying to, I'd never been through film festival circuit either. So I'm trying to, there was this one, the first deadline that was coming up was this festival. It's not around anymore, but it was a pretty big festival back then called like the New York Comedy Film Festival or something like that. Mm -hmm. And was trying to make that deadline. So we cut it down. The original cut, like, or the work in progress cut, I think it was like maybe four. 14 minutes or something like that and uh and i was and i submitted to them and i might have even dropped it off because they were down on like 23rd street in new york and i think i might have even like dropped it off like the day that they were due you know and um and they came back and they liked the film but they were like can you know like we'll screen this if you can cut it down and i was like well how long do you want it and they were like "Uh, if you could get it to like four minutes or something oh wow four minutes five minutes or something Uh, i was just like i was like less than we'll see what we can do but i was like let me see and so phil and i went in and we just kind of we cut it down and we got it to about like maybe seven or eight minutes and um and i sent it back to them and they then they ended up passing on it and oh what really yeah but, but that was good though it was i mean wow. it was good it sucked that we didn't we that they passed but it was good that this happened because i think had that not happened i may have just left the film 14 minutes oh 14 minutes right and so right. like so then there was stuff we cut that i hated cutting so we were like all right well they passed on it so let's go back to work and we can put this back in and this back in but you know what i'm glad this happened because they made me think about this and i cut that and now I can see that that was a good thing to cut. We didn't need that. So, you know, it helped me kind of be able to kind of step back from your film and look at it through other eyes where you can go like, do I really need that scene? Or, you know, like that bit, do we really, okay, the joke's kind of funny, but do we really, like, what are yeah. we really bringing to the table here? So so the film ended, so we ended up going back in and we put some stuff back in and the film ended up around 10 minutes long. And then we started wow. submitting. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's a, a good length. Yeah. Which is the issue I'm having now with the new film. (laughs) When you were making the film, I know you said that it was a calling card, but was Mm -hmm. the the goal always to enter it into festivals and hoping that somebody would see it at a festival? Yeah, well, I mean, I knew that, I mean, we'll we'll get to this because that sort of ties into what I did when we were getting into festivals um, about trying to get it to people to see. So the festivals was not the only way you're going to send this film out into the world. Yeah, but I knew that 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 was going to be like a good jumping off point. And, and it was always like to submit to festivals, you know, and our first festival, you guys will love this was actually up in your guys territory. It was at like an underground festival called the uh, sick puppy film festival. <laughs> and oh, um, nice. it was in San Rafael. Oh, cool. And we got a nice write up in the Marin independent journal about our film, actually, like they kind of highlighted our film. And at the time, Universal, this, you know, this is 2000 or 2001, Universal was kind of trying to start up like a web 
like at the time, I think Adam Films was around. You guys remember Adam Films? Yeah, oh. I've heard of him. The, uh, oh, A-T-O-M? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Adam yeah, yeah, Films back then. Well, but, well, Universal, like everybody was trying to get something going on the web, like some sort of like film site, <laughs> like for, for showing right. films. Kind of like what YouTube is now in a, in a sense, but um, mm-hmm. or Funny or Die. But Universal, like we're looking for content and they contacted Seth who ran the festival because they wanted some like weirder, you know, underground kind of stuff. It was, it was, they, their site was going to be called, I think it was like hypnotic or something like that. But they talked to him and, and like, so this is my first festival. And all of a sudden he was talking to me. He's like, you know, I'm talking to these guys at Universal because they were, they're looking for content and I might be making a deal. Would you be interested in that? And I was like, well, yeah, hell yeah, you know, of course. But I don't know whatever happened with that. And it, and it never came to be. I mean, it wasn't like they oh, just okay. passed on us or anything like that whole site just never happened i think even ron howard was involved with it at one point too but that was early in the the internet days for video content like i I remember i'm in advertising and i joined the broadcast production department in 2006 Mm -hmm. and just at that time everyone was trying to figure out kind of web stuff but there still wasn't a right. YouTube yet. I think YouTube still was a few years away. Right. And at that time, people were still sending like little quick time videos in an email. And that was like what a yeah. viral video was. It was just passed uh, around by email. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember because like Adam Films was one of the first ones. I mean, they that's essentially what they were. It was like a site to watch short films on. And yeah. there was another one called iFilm who I actually ended up hooking up with and putting HR on iFilm. I mean, this is getting ahead of the story, but I there was even like in South Korea, like there was this site like that. I think it was called like Mania Films or something. And they wanted to put HR on there. And I had to like give them like transcripts because they were going <laughs> to oh, put all the yeah. subtitles. Yeah. And I was always pissed because I always wanted a copy. I was like, you guys got to send me a copy of that because I wanted to see the film with all the, the Korean like, subtitles on it subtitles, yeah. yeah you know but they just never they never got it to me but i always was like i'm dying to see this film with all this stuff so i'm curious steve how many film mm-hmm. festivals did you send out to at, at, at once you had your 10 minute cut like how many places right. did you send it out to well i can't give you a number but i did since that was my first experience with festivals and the film was kind of like this i mean you guys you saw it Auric and it's you know it's definitely plays to like that kind of midnight underground kind of crowd or whatever i mean it's it's sort of a specific film you know you're gonna probably like it or hate it but at first i didn't know any better so i was just submitting to everything you know like i mean not every single festival but i was submitting to these festivals like in hindsight where i was like why why did i submit to that you know the new york children's film festival right, yeah exactly well actually we got <laughs> in that one no I'm just I still make that <laughs> but mistake. yeah I don't I don't remember exactly the number but I submitted to a lot and then early on we we did okay like we got into the festival up there in San Rafael and back then I don't know how Sundance is now but back then Sundance was like the wild west talking 2001 or 2002 during Sundance there were also aside from I know slam dance is still around because we got into two of like the other offshoot festivals during Sundance and and at that time like you'd walk up and down Main Street there and there were like ah. like every nook and cranny every empty store on Main Street there in Park City was like a festival. <laughs> I mean there were yeah. there were tons of them. There we even went to this one that Subway was sponsoring. Like they were trying to they had like their own oh, festival really? there and they were sponsoring wow. the guy whose feature was like the highlight of it. Like we went and saw it because we met them and they were all right dudes. We went and 
saw their feature and like I guess the way he got Subway's month they gave them money to make the film like because there were all these scenes set in the subway that, that's funny. but it would make sense that that was what was happening because isn't this like the height of the independent film craze there's like I guess because, so many independent films just like making a ton of money yeah I don't know how Sun. that's the only time I've ever gone to Park City during the film festival but it was like and I know it's like still a crazy atmosphere but it was just so weird like I mean there had to be like 10 other film festivals going on so we got into two of them and i went on the flight out we met this photographer for like the new york post and he got us into a bunch of crazy parties and met some good contacts and i brought the main actor kevin who played the puppet who's the star of the umbrella salesman film the new one but i brought him out there too and we brought one of the puppets and we just had him like walking around main street and you know like all the tv crews loved the little puppet so he got interviewed on all these shows and you know like we were like with janine garofa and Bruce Dern and all this stuff. It was that's cool. Yeah, it was pretty weird. But getting back to your question, sorry, I'm rambling or going off on tangents. But <laughs> we're being nostalgic right now. It's fun because right after those festivals in Sundance and we got into like the Boston Underground Festival and I think like Seattle Underground I started realizing that's what I should be targeting you really got to kind of do your homework and right choose the right festivals right for yeah what film. have they screened in the past what kind of films do they usually accept and if none of them look like mine then I'm not wasting my money submitting to them like you know it's just part way through your festival run let's say like five or six festivals in did you feel like oh man like this is all working out the way that I planned or are you feeling like man it's cool I'm playing festivals but where are all these people that are going to watch my film and give me these opportunities this is what I did this started really early on and this probably started when I got into those festivals during Sundance because I had feature scripts that if anybody wanted to read a script I could hand them over to them you know if your plan is to make feature films and you're hoping that your short will parlay you into that I think it always helps to have like a project, quote unquote, ready to go. Because if that opportunity comes up and somebody's like, hey, yeah, well, this is cool. What, you know, what are you working on now or whatever? I think it's always better to be able to go like, well, here's the script, you know, instead of going like, well, I got this idea, but I haven't written it. Yeah. But, but what I did was there used to be this book that you could buy called the Hollywood Creative Directory. It basically was like a big telephone book of all the production companies. And you could go through it and it, ha and it had the company, all the contact information. It had, you know, a selection of their credits, what films they had made. And then it had a list of the people at the production company, you know, from the very top down to like, you know, the office assistant. And it had their phone numbers and their extensions. So what I would do is I would go through the Hollywood Creative Directory. I would look for any production companies that had made any films that were similar in vain to the kind of comedy we were writing and stuff. And then all those people I would call. And usually I was looking for like the development person or like even better their assistant. I would call them, cold call them, and I would invite them to the screening. And more so than them going, sure, we'll come out. I almost wanted them to say like, oh, we don't know if we're going to be there or we can't. <laughs> really, what I wanted to do was just send them like, a screen. Oh, let me just send right, you the film. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted them to go like. That's interesting. You didn't call and say, can I send you a screener? You said, I'm, my film is playing at this festival. Wow. Will you come out I'm and see it? I'm inviting you. Right. It's kind of smart. Really smart. Yeah. And, and, and I would even, because we, we weren't at Sundance, but we were in festivals during Sundance. So I would say, hey, you know, my film is playing during Sundance. And uh, if you guys, I thought maybe you guys might have somebody from your office out there. I'd love to invite you to the screening. And they'd say, well, you know, we're not sure, whatever. And I go, well, hey, you know, if, if you want, I could just send you a copy of it. 
and they would all i don't think ever anybody said no i think they would always go yeah sure send it over nice. wow and so then you're sending dvds to them or what are you No, sending? this was back still vhs oh vhs, still VHS <laughs> okay. man. Wow. this is 2000 svhs no not even SVHS. <laughs> just regular vhs regular vhs this I was 2001 i think and yeah, it's um, crazy how fast technology has changed i know it's insane wow. you know like the, even the thought i mean of having to do that back then or even just that, now because yeah. even submitting your you know there were some sites to like look up festivals in my brain i can't even really remember so much how i was finding these festivals to submit to like now it's so easy you just go on film freeway or without a box yeah right but back then it was like i don't even know i think there was a, a site like called filmfestivals.com or something that had a big <laughs> listing of them it's just insane to think of what you had to do back then to to submit all that stuff but um, yeah i know you have to mail actual copies of your film yeah and i was lucky because i was working at like this post house luckily i was able to do all my vhs dubs for free Oh, okay. You know, so, Do you know um, how many tapes you ended up sending to, to people in Los Angeles? Not offhand, but I mean, I'm going to say like maybe we sent out like 30. Wow. You know, I probably contacted like 30 production companies who I thought yeah. like they might be interested in one of our scripts. As let's say it was 30. How many of those turned into actual meetings or phone um, calls or interest? Maybe like 10 or so. And then, you know, maybe we met with five or six, you know, people. That's great. Yeah. We met with some people at Robert's simmons i talked to joe dante he, he liked the film he read one of our scripts i think we sent him one of our scripts but it wasn't really his kind of thing you know yeah. i don't know if you guys remember savage steve the movie better off dead with john cusack the, the director mm -hmm. savage steve loved the film like he was he himself said he was in director jail like he couldn't make any features anymore because <laughs> his last one just bombed and yeah he was kind of regulated to working on tv so when i was out in los angeles i met up with him and he was on the set he was shooting like those teen sitcoms like on disney channel or something <laughs> that's yeah. what he was doing and uh wow and but he was cool like you know we went over there on set and just kind of met him and we're talking to him about stuff and he but he loved it to the point where he was like maybe if the film was anywhere near the genius of south park was because he was passing around the tape of hr to everybody his cinematographer his editors like he was oh, just, that's cool you know throwing it around to people but, but i want to back up just a yeah, little bit so yeah. you sent out the screener to these production companies right. and what did you get back did they send letters did they call you no no then i would wait i don't remember how long like maybe two weeks and then i'd call check in with them like hey did you get it did you have a chance to watch it uh, and you know a lot of times it would be like oh no no i haven't gotten it to you yet and then i would <laughs> yeah. and I, I didn't want to like you know be like a pain if i called them on monday it wasn't like i would check back in with them friday like i'd give them like another week and a half or two weeks and just check in with them and you know there were some people like that where after x amount of times calling them you were just like what well, forget it i'm you know they're never going to get around to it they're never yeah. going to watch but, it but, right but i think that's a good point that the following up is like huge and a lot of people don't yeah. follow up necessarily and i think you know you can't really expect someone just to get back to you when they have a million things on their plate and they're working on stuff. yeah especially when you're you know who are you like you know they're they're dealing with these other productions and stuff and other stuff that they have yeah. in well, development. Well, Steve, I mean, this goes to why you're on the biggest filmmaking podcast in the huh. world right exactly. now. Very funny. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I mean, it's true. Wait, like the... That's why you guys have the greatest <laughs> guest of all time. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but exactly. it's true. Like the reason you're on is because of the way you emailed me and like kept the communication going and you didn't sound, you never sounded desperate mm -hmm. in the way that you approached me. So I can understand like how this played out on the the production company level too 
It's like you weren't, you're not, you're not super pushy person, um, but you were, I guess, diligent and like making sure to like keep checking back in. I think you did check back in with with us a few times just to make sure that, you know, did you you check out the film? The other thing he did too was that he, when we asked him a question, he answered it, you know, and he came up with a a take on what we were looking for. So I think that is also really important, which, cause like a lot of people will email that question and then we'll, we'll never hear from them again, you know, or (laughs) we won't get like, you know, a response that is anything more than just what they said in their first email basically so it's just like yeah and that's the thing too because like with your show obviously i was new to it so i think i even said to timothy like you did you're honest you're like i've listened to one episode (laughs) yeah i was like i have no idea what you guys have discussed like you know i can't go like well hey why don't we talk about hiring a dp because i'm like (laughs) you know i don't know I'm sh- a. I'm sure that's been covered, right. but B. I'm like I don't really know. And I actually was the most recent one I was listening to was the episode with the actress from your film Ulrich. And when I got to the point, oh, the nudity one. What a good listener I am. When I got to the point, I think Timothy said like, "Oh, we're gonna get into spoilers here. You know, if you're listening, you might want to turn it off now and go watch Ulrich's film." And I and I I haven't got un- unfortunately I haven't gotten back to listen to the rest of the episode, but I did watch your film, uh, The Rage. And I thought it was very good. And I thought you did oh, a great job on it. Thanks, man. Um, but what surprised me, though, was I thought because I'd listened to an episode before that from a little while back and you were talking about a feature. And then when I saw the description of your of the episode or when you guys were talking, it was like, oh, Auric, you know, got his film finished. And I thought it was the feature. And I was like, oh, uh, wow. <laughs> and then yeah. when I saw it was a short, I go, oh, oh they must be it must be yeah. something different they're talking. About. Yeah, the feature is still in progress. Yeah. I mean, I, I shot that short like two years ago and it was just, you know, through film festivals and getting rejected and all that stuff. And finally i got my last rejection in february or january and i was like you know what time to get it out in the world now you know right, yeah yeah i have a question that's also mm-hmm. kind of going backwards a little bit so when you're inviting all these um production companies or or people who work at the production companies to your screenings did any show up or do they no, all no no, 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 no okay. nobody was because i mean well <laughs> good question well, here's, though here's the great thing and again like i didn't really want anybody and i don't think you're gonna find many people going like yeah well yeah send us an invitation we'll come and like i said i think it's better when they they're not going to come because you i think it's better to just get them the screener but you know instead of them going like oh well send us an invitation and we'll see because then you're like oh great you know like i don't know they're probably not going to show up and how do i call them back and be like well hey you didn't show up can i send you a screener so like i always well, wanted to. i think it's just the same conversation though i mean you know yeah. i think either way if they came or they didn't come or they intended to come and they didn't it's still you can still do the screener thing you know yeah like oh sorry you, you couldn't make it um you know it was a really great screening but here's a screener love to right. get your yeah, thoughts yeah. Blah, blah, that's blah, a perfect you know? that's a perfect way to probably handle that that's why i think it's so important to try to get into a screening in los angeles or new york or a something like sunrise right. you'll be closer or to sunrise because those are the like you can't call them up and go hey my film's playing at the minnesota film festival because you know obviously <laughs> they're not gonna go right i wish i would have thought of that i mean because i i played one of my shorts at like four or five festivals in los angeles and right. i didn't think to do that <laughs> That would yeah, have been really I mean, smart. <laughs> and and it sucks because the, the Hollywood Creative Directory doesn't exist anymore. But I'm guessing that um, if you get like an IMD Pro, IMDb yeah, Pro IMDb account, Pro, it's probably the same yeah. thing. No, so it works pretty well. Thing. Okay, yeah. so let's continue on with the story. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you contacted them after you sent screeners and said, hey, did you watch it yet? 
And did some of them say, yeah, we did? Yeah, no, and uh, there were, you know, a handful that were like, yeah, you know, we liked it, you know. And so basically what I had was I planned a trip to Los Angeles. I love how this is all like, it's all about you pushing for things to happen. This is what this is sounding yeah, like. I'm like the, expecting somebody to be like, dude, we saw your film. It was amazing. We need to meet with you right yeah, now. Nah. But are you going to tell me you planned a trip to Los Angeles and you contact them again and said, I'm going to be in Los Angeles. Can I meet? Well, when I talk to them and if people like the film, I'm trying to remember, I think that we got into a festival that was going to happen in September of 2001 maybe you know where i'm going with this but uh it was in los angeles it was it's not i don't think the festival's around anymore and it was called the silver lake film festival silver lakes you know that yeah neighborhood neighborhood. it's a very hipster trendy area in los angeles and so there was a silver lake film festival my film's gonna play there i was leading up to that i was like well okay i'm gonna go to that festival i'm gonna go to los angeles i'll be there for like a week or so and all these people i'll tell them like well hey i'm gonna be in los angeles from this day to this day you know could we schedule a meeting and was able to set up meetings with that. Then what happened? Just so I get the timeline right, yeah, yeah. though. Like the first time you contacted these people was probably I, around like January, February. Yeah, it was probably like January, late January or something. And yeah. then, and now this is September, so it's like nine months yeah, later. Yeah, so so it might okay. have been like that long. I'm trying to remember if I took a trip before that to Los Angeles, and then this was the second one. But I don't think it was. I think this was the first trip planned to Los Angeles. Essentially, it was just about like, okay, let me contact these people and the ones who liked the film were all like yeah sure can you do wednesday or whatever when i did that in september when i was going to go for a silver lake film festival then 9 11 happened and it just kind of like canceled that trip mm, but, wow. but i rescheduled everything and everybody who i had meetings set up with obviously understood the situation and um so 2002 was kind of that second round yeah i think i went in like january yeah i think i went like i think i canceled uh, okay. that trip in september and i may have no you know what no no i'll take that back i think i scheduled it for like late october or something like that okay yeah it was only i only pushed it back by like a month because like i think when i was supposed to fly for the silver lake film festival it was like literally like a day two days after 9-11 and yeah. wow. everything, everything was, was on lockdown up. at yeah. that point yeah, yeah, and the yeah, best yeah. and the best part about that my my short was playing at the festival with this other film and the film was called destroying america thank you programmers <laughs> i was like wow. yeah we'll get a good crowd out for that <laughs> screening a week after 9-11 happens and they're they're playing a film called destroying america this will be good so out of the people you met with like yeah. the, did you meet with the actual Farrelly brothers or just people okay so no 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 i met with like their like like kind of production entity the guy at their production company yeah, yeah, so like, Fairley Brothers, yeah. Sony, Robert Simmons. Sony, Robert Simmons' office, and... Mm-hmm. Joe Dante, you said. Joe Dante. Well, Joe Dante was supposed to meet with, but I ended up just talking with talking him. And we, were, we, were had, we had a meeting planned, and then he called, and he's like, can we push it back to next week? And then I wasn't going to be there when that happened. So then he was he was cool with just taking... I said, well, can I just send you a script? And he That's was cool. like, yeah, sure. So out of the, these meetings, were there any like kind of standouts that are like... No. I This meeting but really like change the way I thought about meetings or anything that we can learn from. Yes. And no. like, <laughs> I, I think like the funniest story I can tell you about these dealings was with the Farley brothers people. And we all know the Farley brothers and their sort of brand of comedy. Yeah. And, and at the time they were starting to like produce, like we weren't trying to get the Farley brothers to direct our movie or anything. It was, it was because they started like producing other films for people. And, um, the thing I think you'll find most amusing out of this dealing with them. So I, I'm talking to this guy at their 
production company who's like, you know, development guy or whoever it is. So I send them our script and our scripts, I think it was like a timing thing. Like I think our scripts would play a lot better now than they did back then because they really had this kind of surreal quality to them. And the comedy was like a little surreal and a little broad or goofy or whatever. And I think with all these meetings, I think it was, you know, like how it goes, like these people at these places, it's hard to get them to kind of take a chance, you know, like on something that maybe is a little different or not the norm, right? you know, and they're all about saving their jobs. You know, I mean, they're like, if I approve this script and it's a big disaster, well, there goes my job. Like, so there, I think there's a little bit of fear in them about taking a chance on things especially at that level sure it's easier to say i did everything right i chose the right right. type of script the right director right actors and it flopped it's not my fault i did everything right right. right. but if you take a risk and then it flopped you're like well that's on me because i took that risk what were what were the kind of questions they were asking you like were they asking like if you had stars attached or money or no they no it wasn't even that and i think at the time me and the my friend kurt who i was writing with i think we were really just trying to sell a script it wasn't even about like hey we want you to buy our script and let us direct it i think it was really just in our minds it was like we just want to sell a script because in our minds if like if we sell a script then we're quote unquote in we'll get an agent off of that and maybe even a like well eventually we'll get to like direct one of our scripts or we'll take the money we make and make our own film with our own money you know like independently right i think that was the train of thought back then and a lot of these meetings were just kind of what you would i guess what most people would kind of refer to as sort of like general meetings where you're just it's kind of just like let's meet each other and Right. You know, liked your film. Who are you? Mm-hmm. What, yeah. what are you like? What what's are you going doing? on? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the one thing I think I learned from these meetings, like the guy at Robert Simmons office was really cool and he really liked the film. And, you know, we were green. No, no doubt about it. And we hadn't really I don't want to say we like overstayed our welcome. But like, I think leaving that or in hindsight, I could think of that meeting and go like, oh, you know, now I think I would just cut to the chase and get the hell out of there. <laughs> Instead of kind of, I think we lingered yeah. in there a little too long. What, what, do you, what do you mean by that? You know, you certainly there's room for small talk. You don't want to overstay your welcome to the point where they're probably thinking like, okay, let's wrap this up, fellas. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Well, great episode. Thanks everyone for listening. This is uh, our podcast for the day. <laughs> <laughs> I just and, wanted to make a point of it. This is that's what it would mean to leave early. Well, we want you to stay. This is a different case, right? And I think that's the thing is like, and nobody was like a dick or anything, but it, it, like I definitely can especially look at like the Robert Simmons meeting because I think we probably may have come across as like desperate, like right. we want anything, you know, like you got a script you need punched up, we'll do it. Like maybe I the think, lesson is don't wait for them to ask you to leave. You can just say like, "Hey, well, nice to meet exactly. you. Um, you know, give us a call." You and the yeah, meeting. Right. Don't let them end the meeting. You like you you get you get in there. You can make your small talk, and you you know, with us, it was just about getting them to take a script, and we did that. And the guy Robert Simmons took a script, and we should have just been like, "Well, hey, great, thanks for meeting with us, Jimmy. We'll be in touch." and and left. Whereas I think we kind of <laughs> lingered a little bit, where we kind of kept the small talk going, you know. Yeah. And it was fine and it was cordial, but I think like looking back, I could say like, yeah, we probably once we handed over scripts, we should have been like. Thanks, Jimmy. And his name wasn't Jimmy. I don't remember what his name was. But, right. you know, like, thanks, Jimmy. <laughs> you know, 
Yeah. Thanks for meeting us and, you know, we'll be in touch and just. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I've definitely been on the receiving end of of people overstaying their welcome when I'm being nice and like just meeting with somebody. Auric, does this this make sense to you? I mean, all my meetings at AFM were really short. Like they were like 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes if I was lucky, but they were just really, really quick. And I think that's like the perfect, like time like 15 minutes like i mean it's another thing if they keep the meeting going but like when you feel like oh this meeting is still going because of me i think that's yeah right the, you gotta learn how to read the room and know exactly when it's done. exactly yeah. yep i and, mean i think there are some times where i could have gotten out a little faster maybe but like, i think the people i was meeting with are pretty good at being very clear about when it was done and like when there was nothing else to talk about yeah. you know like when we had like covered all the bases basically yeah like well that's it i'm done with you you can leave now yeah right. i think i think just in general <laughs> if i were in a meeting i think it would ra- i'd rather it go where i said all right jim great meeting with you i'll be in touch and leave rather than them go well okay is there anything else you wanted to ask us or you know talk about or something like then i would feel like okay i think this guy's you know i think this person wants me to leave their office you know so (laughs) i I definitely think that it is good and again like i said we you know these were the first time we were in any kind of meetings like this you know and in that scenario you can be like a little overwhelmed of walking you know walking through the gate at sony or parking your car there and just kind of walking on the lot and you're just kind of like oh you know i want to i want to be here man you know like i really want to you know but uh so I, I definitely think like early on, we kind of, there was some instance like that, but l- real quick, just getting back to the Farley brothers, the thing that I found that was funny about that is you know, I'm dealing with this guy and, and he liked the film and then he read one of our scripts and he's like, I like this script, but you know, it's not, we're trying to get away from this like kind of broad comedy and this stuff. And I was like, I was like, all right, well, what are you guys looking for? Like if you're getting, trying to get away from that, what kind of project are you looking for? And he said, well, just to give you an example, I'll tell you about the two projects we're working on right now. And I said, all right, cool. So he goes, well, we got one film is about two Siamese brothers who were attached at the hip. <laughs> right. And they, you know, <laughs> we all know this blah, blah. movie. And I, yeah. And I go, okay. And then he goes, and the other film we've got working on is about a guy who enters the Special Olympics and pretends to be mentally challenged or whatever. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm like, and I swear to God, I said to him, I was like, and you're getting away from broad comedy? I was like, <laughs> oh, that's they couldn't be the, that yeah, couldn't yeah could be get more broader, broader unless examples. they're making white chicks yeah well yeah. Right, so, right. but, but it's funny how like, fast like the Farrelly brothers style of comedy went out of fashion oh, as yeah, soon yeah. as like Jed Apatow hit the scene yeah, and like no, that exactly. style of comedy just like almost disappeared yeah I feel bad for those guys I mean they're talented but I think I was trying to before our interview I was trying to dig up the guy's name that we that I was talking with over there and I, and I was like what are those guys even up to now the Farley brothers and I was just looking at their credits and I was like man how like talented have fallen I mean a couple of their early on films like I watched that Dumb and Dumber sequel and I was never a huge fan of the first one but you know it grew on me a little bit shame on I you I know sorry I watched that second one the Dumb and Dumber 2 that came out a few years ago and I mean I cringed through that whole damn thing I was just man Man, what happened to these guys meaning the Farley brothers I'm like yeah well comedy does have it there's the flavor of the day with comedy it's yeah. like there's it definitely yeah. like goes through cycles and they had their time yeah but yeah but, but their time was pretty great though it was great yeah, I mean, some you know, amazing movies yeah, for those they, guys. They, yeah I've been thinking I've been wanting to revisit uh something about Mary recently I was like you know I haven't seen that in a long long time and I can't remember a film more recent than that where I laughed that hard in a movie like that, like gut, oh, you know, yeah. like yeah, laugh. Like really I can't funny. remember a movie that made me laugh that hard. 
in a long <laughs> it's since then maybe you know but yeah so none of these none of these meetings people read scripts and yeah i was gonna ask you left la after having these meetings did did you follow back up with them same thing yeah. just following up and emails or phone calls and just checking in and you know sometimes it'd be like i oh, sorry i haven't gotten around to it yet and yeah they all read the scripts and just it, again it was just all like it's not really what we're looking for right now and do you think that, that part of the reason nothing really happened was because you didn't have an agent or a manager i don't no, I feel like if one of the scripts was what they were looking for, like, again, like I said, like our stuff was definitely somebody was going to have to kind of go like bite the bullet and be like, you know what? I think this is, this script is funny as hell. It's like nothing out there right now. And I'm just going to take a chance on it. Right. So, I mean, it wasn't like we were submitting like a new Julia Roberts romantic comedy, you know? Right. Like, so you think you just didn't find the right person to champion no. it. Yeah, exactly. We need exact perfect perfect word we needed someone to like kind of champion the script somebody who'd be like you know what this is fucking good i don't care we're gonna make this movie and you know we had a couple scripts they definitely needed some work i can look at them now and go yeah they're but they're there's funny and and everybody liked the scripts i mean they were all like there's some really funny stuff in there it was just that this isn't really the kind of movie we're making now or whatever yeah is that just like kind of the reality of the business that we're all trying to break into is that like it's just it's about timing and finding the right people and even if if you're sitting on a good script you just it might not get made because like i said i could see some of the stuff we were doing then and i can watch stuff now and i'm like you know this is kind of like this is exactly kind of stuff we were doing or that we were trying to get made you know like this is similar you know similar sort of sense of humor and stuff you know well do do you feel like with some of these meetings that they were looking for something specific and then you just didn't happen to have the thing that they were looking for or i don't know i mean i can't say because because on one hand they saw all these meetings were because they watched the short film and they liked it. So, and I mean, our short film wasn't like, you know, a romantic comedy, like, you know, a, a generic kind of like thing, you know I mean? So they had to assume that our scripts were going to be kind of a little surreal or something, you know, like a little, right. they weren't going to be the, the norm. It wasn't, we weren't coming in there with your standard, like comedy movie, you know, like they had to expect them to be like a little odd. I mean, I think those people and just, I think they take those meetings more often than not, it's just that a lot of times nothing nothing comes from them, you know? I guess they're just, like, taking them because it's like, well, you never know. Maybe this person's going to walk in with the perfect script that we're looking for, but... So, what's the lesson here? What are we supposed to walk away from this? <laughs> right. <laughs> Getting, like, is it... Because <laughs> I feel like this is this story is not uncommon. Yeah. So, what is this... What what should we all take away from this as filmmakers? I, you know, I, I don't know because I don't know how... I would approach that same sort of scenario again. I mean, you're, and I mean, again, these you're, we're talking about like at a studio level, you know what I mean too? So, I mean, I think it's really, that's a tough nut to crack. Right. You're like looking at bigger budgets with these things. Yeah. It was like like, 20 million dollar comedies. Yeah. You know, and I think it's tough to really crack that when you're sort of nobody and your, your script is like a little bit of a chance. Like, for example, we did the same, the, the next, we made another short after uh, maybe like a year later and it was similar in vain, not, there wasn't really like gross humor in it, but it was similar kind of sense of humor. And we went through the same process again. Oh, okay. We worked on two scripts, both spec. Our short was playing with a, a feature at this one festival. And I reached out when I saw that our short was playing with this feature, I reached out to the 
a girl who produced the feature just to introduce myself like hey our shorts playing with your feature you know just wanted to introduce myself and she was cool and i met with her at the festival and we ended up winning an award and you know i so i kept in touch with her and i and i was like and then i saw she got her feature like distribution like dvd distribution this is 2003 or something like that for 2004 when that was kind of a big deal like oh wow she got like distribute her she got this film on dvd so i was like well and i didn't think the film was very good her feature but i was like well she got that thing distribution i was like let me try to see if she wants to produce one of our films we sent her a script that we were working on and she liked it and then she was working with there there was a guy who was a producer he might still be he was a producer on that tv show the amazing race and i guess he was trying like on their hiatus he was trying to branch off and kind of make the jump from that to like producing a a feature film and so she was working with him and she brought our script to him and he kind of liked it but it needed work so we were working we were going back and forth doing drafts of that and that one was still like a little the comedy was still a little weird but it wasn't as surreal or whatever it was it was it was probably like a little more in lines with like you say Judd Apatow and stuff like that it was a little more based in reality, a little more down to earth, where our other stuff, our, we were really inspired by this British TV show called The Young Ones. And our older stuff was very much like along those lines of like, you know, hey, if we want somebody just crashing through a wall, that's what's going to happen. You know, like anything <laughs> and everything can happen. Yeah, I... A can of beans can come to life and start talking. Like that's what <laughs> our, our stuff was very like that. It was very much inspired by that show. So this was like a little more down to earth, a little more realistic. And we went back and forth with them. And then ultimately, I guess the Amazing Race started kicking back up and that just kind of went on the back burner and that just kind of fell apart. And then... Do you think that these experiences are just kind of like par for the course? Or do you feel like it's just because of your position in the business, you were, the, the deck is kind of stacked against you to make this kind of stuff. So maybe um, in hindsight, do you think that you should have taken a different tack to, to get your stuff made? Or would you do the same thing again? We kind of we kind of did a, a similar thing. We were working this other producer. I think we sent him a copy of this other short and he kind of liked it and he didn't want to read one of our scripts. He wanted to be more involved. He wanted essentially to get like a story credit, but he was looking for a very specific kind of movie. And then we decided like, this is not something like we've ever done, but in the mindset of like, whatever he wants, that's what we're going to, we're going to do. Like he wanted like a teen girl movie. We came up with an idea and it wasn't a bad idea. I think there's maybe something been done since that's similar, but it was, it was sort of a, a knock, a, a, like a knockoff on like Cinderella, like, you know, reverse, like Cinderella in reverse or something like where the beauty queen becomes the unpopular girl or something, something like that. It was, you know, I mean, it wasn't anything we were like super proud of or, or anything. We weren't like, Hey, this is great. We knew what we were doing. We were trying to sort of quote unquote, play the game. And this is what he wanted. We pitched him this idea. He liked it. He wanted to be involved. He, he wasn't interested in taking any of our scripts that we had written and trying to shop them around. He wanted something to work on something from scratch so that he could take a story credit, which we didn't even give a shit about. We were like, fine, if he wants a story credit, we'll let him put his name on it. But we wrote the script. You know, we had to watch like these Lizzie McGuire movies and all. You know, <laughs> what's the, yeah. the other one who went crazy? Amanda Bynes. We had to like watch mm -hmm. these, these right. movies and... um and it was painful, but it was like, okay, this is what they want. This happens 10 minutes into the movie. This happens 30 minutes into the movie. Like we're, we're like, we'll do that. Cause again, this goes back to like what I said before, like we just wanted 
to sell a script, we'll get an agent, and then we'll do our thing. You know, that was our thinking. And and so we would hand in a copy of the script. And when we did put like one character in there that was sort of like, if you saw it, you'd be like, oh, that's there. That's what would be in like a normal script these guys would write, you know. And um, so whenever we'd hand him in a draft, he would send it off for coverage. You know, there are places you can pay to get coverage yeah, done. Uh -huh. So he would send it in for coverage and we'd get the coverage back. And I mean, our again, like our train of thought was like whatever they want. So like if the coverage came back and said the main character should have a dog, we were like, dog it is you know let's put a dog in there and so the coverage we we went through this like two or three times we're going through the coverage and finally the coverage was pretty positive and that's when he decided like all right let me like he hadn't even been reading the drafts we were handing he was just get the draft and hand it to coverage <laughs> and, right waiting yeah, for some so, good coverage so when the coverage finally came back that it was positive so then he read the script and we and we'd been working on this is this is like over the course of like a year we were working on this thing, doing drafts and sending them back to him and then him and then waiting for the coverage and then doing another draft. And so he reads the script finally and he's like, he's not happy with it at all. He's like, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he, he was just like, you know, I think we got to start. I think we got to start over. This is, oh man, this isn't really, I don't think this is right. Wow. And, and the thing that pissed us off is because like, on one hand, at that point, at that point, we were kind of tired of doing this. We're like, this is sucking the life out of us because it's not, we're, we're quote unquote selling out, if you want to call it that. We, this isn't something that we would have done on our own. You know, we were just trying to kind of. You're get selling our out for no money, basically. Exactly. <laughs> we're, we're working spec, so we're not getting anything. And the thing that pissed us off too is we were like, we know that the idea was good enough that if this dude just would go around and pitch this idea, and tr uh, like he probably could have sold the pitch and got us all a little bit of money and we would have written a draft and then they would have took and we would have done one rewrite like we you like you're contractually obligated to and then it probably would have we would have had nothing to do with it right right like a two-step deal is what those are called right or they used to be called i think yeah like we knew that he could sell this and writers guild i think the writers guild you they have to let you do one rewrite and then after that the studio can do whatever the hell they want with it then hire their own writers yeah. and stuff but i i and we know that the idea the idea was good enough that this guy could go and and pitch this and sell it but we sort of realized is like this dude wants to be on the, he wants to be like the physical producer on set, you know, working while this movie's getting made. That's why he wants to sell them the script as him, the producer. I'm bringing you this project and I'm producing this movie. And I mean, not to like go off on it and not and not pay you anything for the development, basically. Exactly. You yeah. Know? So and that's, I mean, I don't know, man. It's just it's like a shitty deal. basically. <laughs> it was a shitty deal. And it. I don't think I would ever do anything like that again. At the time, we thought, well, like, you know, here's a good way for us to maybe get in. And it was all about like trying to get an agent and then we'll be able to do like we'll be able to do something with our our own stuff, you know, like we could sell a script, get an agent, at least get our foot in the door. Maybe we could sell some scripts. And again, there was always the idea of like, well, if we take whatever money we make, look, like maybe we can go off and make our own film the way we want to make it independently, you know? Yeah. Um, even if we have to self-finance it. But right. But after working with him for like a year and then that coming to that conclusion, and, and I think we even told him like, why don't you just go and fucking pitch the idea and try to get us – some awesome yeah, you guys money. are just looking for that first step. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get you over you the know? threshold. Yeah.
but he he wouldn't do it and then we realized like he just he wants to make a movie with lizzie mcguire who whatever her name is hillary duff like he, he, <laughs> right. we're, we're like this right. dude we this dude might be a perv like we were like maybe this guy's like a pervert and he just <laughs> yes. wants to be around these 15 year old girls and that's why he won't let it go because like i said i guarantee you that he could have pitched and he had sold some, some some stuff you know he wasn't just like you know nobody or whatever but but we were just like he won't just pitch this thing and we know that he could he could sell this pitch. It's 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 good enough. Like it's it's definitely the kind of thing somebody one of those places would buy. But he's wouldn't. And then we just were like, you know what, dude, we can't do this anymore. And he kind of tried to um, keep us involved, but we were just like, no, nah, we we can't do this. Yeah, we can't bailed. do this anymore. We were done. We were just. I think that's the last thing that we kind of worked on. Okay. That that was you know maybe two thousand six or seven like those two projects were kind of like back to back working on those scripts and my friend kurt who i used to write with he found something else that kind of like entry he, he went off he's he got his phd he's kind of like a psychiatrist now and you know, he found something yeah. else that kind of he's like i'm done with his filmmaking <laughs> yeah, stuff yeah. <laughs> you know? I was going to say, we have like 15 minutes left and we still have like okay. a whole other section I want to yeah. get through. So I want to wrap yeah, yeah. this story up and I'm going to ask okay. you this question again in, in a different way. But yeah. your goal in 2000 was to get a script sold to kind of right. get your foot in the door. And your way of going about it was making a short film, entering festivals, trying to get in front of production companies. In hindsight, knowing your goal, would you do the same thing again or would you have taken a different approach? I, I don't think that's it's a wrong way to do something. Like if someone's out there and makes a short film and gets into some festivals and uses that as a way to try to entice a production company to read a script or to look to first look at the short and get them the short and then to try to follow that up with trying to get someone a script. I think I think it it's a good way to go. I think you have to have like a project that is sort of, I mean, I was hitting up these people thinking that like our stuff was in line with kind of what they were doing. So I, it, I, it wasn't like, it seems to me from the outside it, it was, it's just for whatever reason it didn't match up. Yeah. I think you have to be approaching the right people, but I, I still think that's not a bad way to go. Like I don't look back at it and go like, Oh my God, we, we made every mistake in the book. I think that is still like a good way to go and to, and to kind of try to get yourself in there and ho hopefully maybe sell a script or anything like that. But uh, So you just feel it was bad timing? Yeah, I just think the scripts that we were writing, like it was not the right script for the right time. You know, it was, it, yeah, it was definitely like a timing thing. It just wasn't the right project, you know? And Do you have any sense for like filmmakers like us trying to get into the studio this direction, what the percentage is of people that get meetings versus the percentage that something actually gets produced? I don't, but I feel like it really wasn't difficult to get those meetings. Like, I mean, the, the people were always, I can't, really recall it was a while ago but i can't really recall any you know there there may have been like one or two instances where somebody might have just been like oh you know sorry we don't we're not looking but i think for the most part everybody who i call about and and offered to send them a copy of the film were all very much you know and obviously you don't go after i'm that's the good thing about seeing who's at the company or whatever because i'm not targeting i'm not calling up and trying to get like the head of the production company on the line i'm i'm calling and i'm looking for the development person or their assistant it wasn't difficult to get these people a screener they all were pretty open to like yeah send it over sure we'll t sure we'd love to take a look at it send it over 
like nobody was really like what how'd you get this number or you know what i mean yeah right yeah, yeah. i feel like that's still i think that's still the case i mean yeah. you just have to i think you need to have what they will want you know, or what they're specifically exactly. looking yeah. for well if anything yeah. you know nowadays it's even harder than it was in 2000 to get these to get your foot in the door because the the studios aren't making there aren't like independent film divisions of right. these you know studios yeah, anymore exactly. now like it's all like those are pretty much gone yeah now it's like you're either making a a, a blumhouse five million dollar film or you're making like black panther hundred million dollar right. film yeah, so yeah. there's not a lot of room for us anymore so i feel like you kind of got in at the right time to try to make this stuff happen i'd be curious to hear somebody's story we actually we've kind of heard some stories where people have done more like the water bottle tour and and tried to, to yeah. get stuff sold and it, i think it's kind of been the same outcome so like whenever i hear these stories i just kind of think like it's a little like playing the lottery still it's it's like the mm-hmm. film festival thing where it's it's just it's got to be the right time the right place and we hear stories yeah, where it yeah. does happen but i just i've got to believe that that's like a one in a thousand chance and it's very slim that anything ever comes out of oh, this yeah. i mean especially yeah. that i mean that's why haven't i taken the step of making like a feature and i think yeah i think some of it's got to do with like having like a feature idea that i could actually pull off on a low budget level because i think a lot of the stuff that i was writing in the past like i mean even when kurt and i used to write even when we were writing comedy sketches like this first group that we started writing sketches with like we had a habit of like whatever we thought was funny we would put in and i think one producer we worked with the uh, comedy sketch stuff compared us to like sissel b DeMille because we would have like a cast of like 50 people (laughs) and stuff in (laughs) in a sketch and it was like you know how we you know you know we can't do this i've tried i've worked on some ideas and stuff where i'm this is something that i could do on a limited budget a small thing like let's not get carried away that i've been helping like my nieces and nephew try to get them into filmmaking i've help them make these like little short films and just kind of trying to teach them how it's done like if this girl if if one of you are sitting at a table eating cereal well we get the shot of you guys eating the cereal but we also have to get these close-ups of the spoon digging into the bowl and just trying to teach them those things and my my one niece came up with an idea and it was like you know her sister being chased by like a hundred clowns and i'm like okay but we we, we can't Where get we 100 getting a hundred clowns, clowns. <laughs> you know, like, like realistically like we have to think of what we, yeah. we can do so basically i came on this podcast to ask if you guys knew a hundred clown no but um but we have at least a hundred listeners so let's see right. can we can you guys okay. get out to new jersey in a week <laughs> and we gotta make this we gotta make this you're gonna movie. break a, you're gonna break a little girl's heart <laughs> i haven't really hit that idea that i liked and i've worked on a couple and i was even working on one recently but i've been trying to think of like a feature idea that i could do on a limited budget and i just haven't cracked the idea yet and yeah it's not I think easy. that's part of why i haven't made the leap to like making a feature yeah film because yeah. i do feel like at this point even though i mean I have a buddy of mine who acted in hr who i've kept in touch with his name's joe mclean he just did a feature a second feature called the drama club and it, it played in los angeles last year and just came out on you know amazon and vod and all that stuff when I was in Los Angeles in January, you know, he and I got together and we were talking and, you know, he's been through the ringer of like raising money and getting a, you know, a star in the film. And, and he's just like, it's just impossible to kind of like get the word out. Like, you know, like the, they're not booking these movies. They're, it's not like there's this whole 
distribution setup for these kind of like indie films. It's very right. limited. Right. The market's super limited. And then when it, and then just going to VOD, it's like, yeah, you know, unless it's like a horror movie, cause horror fans will watch anything. They don't care who's in it or whatever, but unless it's like a genre picture, mm-hmm. it's really tough. To, I mean, his was like a, you know, like a kind of drama comedy and it's like, it's a tough sell unless you have like a big, big star in it. Yeah. yeah. It gets lost in the sea of everything else that's out there. Why? Well, yeah, that's why you have celebrities like in out. your stuff. So that way it sticks out. So let's fast forward to, to now and, okay. and talk about umbrella. your short. You have, yeah, Death of an Umbrella Salesman right. is your latest short and it's going to be premiering at two festivals on what, March 24th? Yeah, we got into four so far. The first ones, as luck would have it, are both March 24th. One screening at noon and one's at 6 p.m. They're both in New Jersey. Oh, nice. That's awesome. The one's at the Garden State Film Festival. It's been around for 17 some odd years. It's a pretty big festival. It's, they used to be in Atlantic City. They're coming back to Asbury Park now. And I have a pretty good connection with Asbury Park. I've made it. I used to, it, it used to be really run down. They've kind of fixed it up in the last few years. But I used to use it as like my own back lot. I mean, because all the streets were like empty. So you had the beach and you had these streets and you had all these old buildings. I did a film about it, uh, a little short film film about it too and so it's cool having it screening in asbury but the other one's out in trenton the trenton film festival but the problem i've run into with this film and i have we shot it in baton rouge because i was working on i was working on a show called killing fields for discovery channel and we were in baton rouge i knew we were going to be it was for the second season and i knew we because of the first season i knew we'd be there for five or six months I was like, we're going to be here for this long. Like, why don't we make a short film while we're here? And I talked to some people on the crew to see if they were interested. And they were. They were all helpful. And a friend of mine, Tanner, who worked on the first season, he lives in Baton Rouge. He kind of became my... uh you know, associate producer, kind of like fixer, you know, like he got a lot of locations and helped with a few actors and stuff like that. And Kevin, who's acted in a bunch of stuff I've done, he flew in from New York. Sabrina Jennerino, who I acted in my first short HR, she was now living in New Orleans. She's been on The Walking Dead. So she was able to kind of squeeze in shooting of this with us since she lived in New Orleans. It was not a big deal to go to Baton Rouge. You know, it was just a fun experience. I hadn't really done a film like that. I'd done shot some like YouTube like sketches and shit stuff over the years but I hadn't done a film like that in a long time and uh, and it was fun being in a different place yeah that's cool yeah and did you feel like it was easier to make a film now as opposed to like 18 years ago when you made your first in a sense of like the actual putting the production together or just because obviously i guess putting the production together like is it i guess in my opinion there's more people out there with the equipment and the tools to make films now than there was like 20 years ago when you had to shoot on film and process the film right exactly putting the production together was definitely easier obviously you run into you know some hiccups along the way of like okay i thought this dude could do sound he can't (laughs) You know, I was trying to use yeah. I was trying to use a lot of guys from the crew. Yeah. But like the sound guy is the only guy I had to like really hire who I didn't know who I had to hire. He came out of Dallas. I hired him and I think I just got him I placed an ad on like a New Orleans or a Louisiana like film page on Facebook, like film a group for like jobs and stuff. I think I got him that way. But Jess Gurney, who shot the film, she happened to be, I was having like my first person who was going to shoot it was one of the ACs on the killing fields. But then he left the show and I was like, oh, great. There goes my DP. So it turned out. And then I remembered that Jess was working on Duck Dynasty up maybe like three hours north around Shreveport. And I was like, oh, yeah. So I called her up and she was like, yeah, I'll do it. And she's like, I can even bring some gear down from the show you know if we need just c stands and stuff like that you know 
and flags and stuff. She's like, I'll bring some, what do we need? I'll bring it down. It all came together really well. It was easier to put together, I think. And people all helped me out with like their rates and stuff like that. And we had to shoot one thing in New Jersey. And my friend Logan, who's a camera guy on the show, we were dark one week and I was going to shoot it that week. And he agreed to film it you know, to, to shoot the scene in New Jersey for me and stuff. And so it was really easier. And I think I, I definitely think I had gotten better as a director. Like I felt like it, it like the earlier films, I think there's a very like, you know, amateurish quality to, to them to a degree, <laughs> you know, uh, and, uh, you had to start somewhere. Yeah. And I think this one, I think looks a lot better than the stuff I'd done in the past. But the, the problem I ran into and I, and, and it's my own fault. I know this and, and Ulrich kind of mentioned it way earlier. I think I'm not getting into a lot of festivals because of the runtime and the runtime's like 18 minutes. Yeah. And I know that's too long. It's a hard, I know festivals, hard time to yeah, program. It is. And, yeah. and I feel like, cause everybody who's watched has liked it and I can only chalk it up to is like, it's got the runtime has got to be killing us. And, but I just couldn't see what I could cut. You know, I'm like, I don't know what I could remove from this. And even some filmmaker friends of mine who, who I'd let watch the film and I'd be like, what would you cut? You know? And they'd be like, I'm not really sure. You know, I, I see where you're talking from. And, but just recently I just was like, let me dive back in and just see now, since I haven't watched it in a few months, maybe I can cut it down. And I, I did a new cut, and I don't think it butchers the film. I don't think it really takes anything away from it. But I got it down to like 15, which is still a little long, but I'm like... No, that's a lot it's, better. It's better, it's, yeah. It's three minutes, but I think going from un, like 15 or under and or 15 or over... Exactly. I think it, it does make a difference. And, and my train of thought is like when they see a film is 18 or 18 and a half minutes long, a programmer, they automatically go 19. And if they're thinking 19, they're thinking 20. It's This movie's 20 <laughs> right, minutes long. Basically, yeah. You know? So, I mean, automatically, and they're they're thinking 20 minutes, well, I could screen three films. You know, I'm going to be saying no to three films if I say yes to this. And it's been a problem. And like I said, I knew that. I I knew that already, but it was just this is this is the story you know i mean i can't yeah i gotta tell the story i can't just speed it up yeah just for the sake just of for time. the sake of runtime yeah, right. i mean it's sometimes you got to be like oh sorry i mean this is this is it it is you know and, but i mean i i did cut out those three minutes and i didn't like remove anything that ruins the film or anything but the sucky thing is is i've pretty much submitted everywhere already so i'm gonna upload this new version to film freeway and then probably try to contact a lot of these festivals i've submitted to and sort yeah. of reach out I think to you should hope, do that you know? yeah and hope that they say if they've already right. watched it maybe they'll give it another look or right. if they haven't watched it then ignore the email you know no, I feel like any reason to contact a film festival is yeah. good because that at least puts you on them on their map your, yeah, yeah you're on their radar basically I've been doing that too like I've oh, been really? looking okay. at yeah, I've been looking at the other thing, you know, people should do is I've looked up people's like a lot of film freeway and without a box. I think for the most part, they list some of the people at the festival, like, you know, executive directors or, or, you know, some the staff. And I've, I've gone on like the, the beauty of Facebook, you know, even with my job is like going, I go, I'll, I'll get a name from the festival. I'll look on, I'll look them up on Facebook and see if we have any mutual friends. If we do, hey, my buddy Sergio, who I've worked with on shows, you know Jim from the Orlando Film Festival. Can you do me a favor? Can you reach out to him and kind of just give him a heads up about my film? And he's like, no problem. I'll do it. I'll send him an email. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. the way to do you it. Know? Awesome. And, uh, yeah. Well, Steve, I mean, uh, we got we yeah. got to wrap this up. So I have one I last question for you. Sure. Um, in your email, you said said to us that you felt like oh, yeah. 
the curse. You've been trying to get your career off the ground for 18 years and you feel yeah. like you're, it's going nowhere fast. What yeah. does getting off the ground mean to you? I think it's just I would love to be able to be making films as my career. Sure. Yep. And that's what we all want, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, it'd just be nice. And I haven't gotten into crowdfunding. Like I, Ulrich, I saw like in the end credits in your film. Right. Uh, yeah. you, had, you had some, you had some crowd, uh, you had some yeah. crowdfund raising stuff. And, uh, and I haven't really gone down that route so much. It's, it's a tough route. It is. <laughs> I'll and tell, I know. Tell you. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's, it's tough. And I haven't gone down that route, but I would really love to find like a, per, like somebody who's good at that, like who's a producer who could kind of take on those chores yeah. and just kind of like be able to just make a film. And it's not about like, oh, I, I got to be making a, a bunch of money or something <laughs> like that. It's, it's just like, I, I'd love to be able to be making a, a film. Like that's my real job. You know what I mean? Like I'm making a film, you know? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And we hear you. And that's exactly why this podcast exists. And because exactly. you, yeah, I mean, because you haven't title. listened to yeah. all the episodes, I will say that like, the people that listen to this podcast are the same as you. It's right. like, and what we're, we've been trying to do is redefine what success is, because I think we all hold on to this yeah, idea yeah. in the stream that we'll be these sustainable filmmakers that can just kind of make, mm-hmm. make get, keep making their movies. And I think the way that you imagine that's going to be is probably I don't I don't want to like kill your dreams or hopes and dreams but it's probably not going to happen but I think you need to reframe it and say look at what you're doing like Steve you're making your movies right now it may not look the way you thought it was going to look but you're doing it so I, I think you have Timothy to say just like goes for the you gut, are man. a success like the way no, I, I you know you're making your movies it. so like I know it's yeah, not no. it's not exactly what what we hoped and dreamed for but you're finding a way to do it and you know that no, I agree. you know define it that way yeah and then you can and appreciate it because like dude it's amazing it's it's awesome that you haven't given I up. know it is I mean I think you guys can relate and probably most of the people who in your show can relate it's just I think you know I mean not to sound like a cliche but trying to get films made and 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 do this kind of work i mean it really is like you do have your highs and lows like a roller coaster and like i told you in our our exchanges like i can't even begin to tell you how many people who i've gone to film school with or i've worked with or friends of mine who've had the same dream to do this have just i don't want to say given up but they've just found something else right they're not they've doing come it come to a point where they're like yeah this isn't gonna happen and i've got to find something else to do with my life and the pro and not the problem but like i mentioned something about a curse to you yeah and and when i say that it's kind of because i've never found that other thing like my friend kurt who i used to write with mm-hmm. he found something else that kind of interest him or or you know that could kind of take the place of that dream of making movies and stuff and i've just never found that there have been times where i was like that's it you know like we didn't even get into like when we pitched some stuff to ifc and mtv and stuff but like when that all kind of fell apart i was just like that's it i'm done with this stuff i can't, you know i don't know if i could do this anymore and then i would go off and <laughs> and then all of a sudden you know two or three months later this little idea for a sketch or something would pop in your head and next thing you know you're shooting the sketch, you know, and you're like, I'm back, I'm back in it now, you know, and, and that's what it is. I've just never found some other thing, you know, and I don't think I ever will. Yeah, you, it's only a curse, though, if you admit right, defeat right. because you're not some yeah, level yeah. of success with your right. films being made inside the studio and being projected on a big screen across you yeah. know, the nation. Like, I think you need to look at it and say, it's awesome that I have this passion for filmmaking and I'm still able to make my movies. Right. 
right. and like, and you're doing yeah, no, it. I appreciate it. I agree. Like, congratulations. Yeah, I, I do want, I just want to point that out. Like you're doing it and that's awesome. And that's what we all hope yeah, to no, do. I appreciate exactly. it. I agree. I agree hundred percent. I think when, when I, when I laid all that on you too, I think I was having one of those days where <laughs> I'd got, I probably gotten like a couple of rejections from film festivals right, and those are, right. they hit you, yeah, man. I mean, right. they really kind of take some, the wind out of you. They, know? Yeah. they like, never get easier no matter how no, many rejections no, they, you get. That's, you're, that's exactly right. You think perfect. it's gonna, but it yeah. doesn't. <laughs> no, it's, and you know, it's just, it's just that reality check sometimes and you're just like, ay, ay, ay. Yeah. But. So Ulrich, do you have any other final questions? No, I think we should get into these final five. Yeah. Okay. So, Steve, we're going to ask you five final questions. I would just want one sentence okay. answers for each of them. Okay. So, the first is, David Fincher says you're doing pretty good if you can get 70% of what you want on a film. Do you agree? And if so, what percentage are you getting from your films right now? Yeah, I agree. I would think, has anybody ever said they got 100%? I think that'd be insane. Yes, they have. Really? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But um, no, I agree with that. And I would say... 70% sounds good. I'm not going to go too deep into it. I would say 70, I, I would say I got like 70% out of that I want that I saw in my head for the umbrella short we just did. Nice. Yeah. What's the thing you struggle with the most as a filmmaker? Oh, I know this is the probably the most common answer is just money, raising money you know yeah, uh, absolutely you know paying for everything yeah especially like like I said I I've, I've been doing this all out of pocket so I mean you know it adds up even with this short, I mean, I think my budget on this short ended up being about eight grand or something like that. Wow. You know, and my friend Logan, who shot the thing, you know, reminded me that like, I think what Pi mm-hmm. was made. Darren Aronofsky's movie. The feature made for like seven seven grand or something. And I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. eh, thanks for reminding me. Man. <laughs> but it's money. Yeah, it's money. Number three, if you could travel back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? Make a sequel to HR puke and shit. No. Um, <laughs> I think just keep making films. I took a lot of breaks in between, even if they were just little, and people have always said this, just anything. You have some little idea, just some little nonsense, just to keep doing it and just figuring things out, like how things are shot or a better way of shooting something or a different way of shooting things. Just keep making films. Don't take breaks especially now it's so easy everybody has access to editing cameras on their phone anything just i would tell myself to just keep making films on a regular basis do you have a goal as a filmmaker yeah i i mean i haven't achieved my goal which is i I haven't made a feature film yet and i think that's still the goal to make a feature and last is is making movies hard yes definitely but nice rewarding <laughs> it's still i mean i i don't like writing i i always have to collaborate with people writing because i'm not a big fan of just sitting in a room by myself writing i like being able to throw ideas back and forth and writing down the best thing mm-hmm. editing can be fun but it's still a little bit of a lonely gig but i love being on the set i love being on the set with the crew i don't think there's any job that is more fun than being with all these people and everybody trying working together to try to make a, a film it's a blast i love it i love working on the set and i love working with crews and actors and it, it's just the best thing it, it's draining <laughs> at the end of the day you're going to be tired as hell yeah you know but it's just a, a blast and i love it you know oh, awesome nice. i'm glad to hear yeah. you're still passionate about it uh where can people find you and kind of follow along with the the release of your new film my main the main site that i have you can access all this stuff is a uh, jointfilms.com and instagram and facebook is umbrella short film and twitter is joint partners nice and we have a bunch of you know you can through through the joint films 
website. Like I have a bunch of like little behind the scenes videos and stuff like that. Little short videos of uh, us making the umbrella salesman and stuff. And yeah, so and and ho- and hopefully like once it goes through the whole festival circuit, I'll it'll probably be on. I'll probably throw it up on Amazon. Okay, cool. I, uh, you know, oh, yeah, oh, but nice. uh, there you go. well, we'll all follow along, and there'll be links to all the stuff in our show notes and. Thank, yeah, thanks so much, great. Steve. We're yeah. out of time. Yeah, I appreciate but, it. It's you know, been a blast. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I love talking to you guys. Thanks. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, tell your friends about it or leave us a rating in Apple Podcasts. If you prefer to get in contact with us directly, you can send an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook with the handle at MMIH Podcast. And uh, be sure to check out our indie filmmakers group on Facebook. It's been a lot of fun for us to connect with all of you guys, and we're loving the conversations that are happening on there. Um, and finally, visit our website, makingmoviesishard.com, where you can find links to the things we talked about on this episode and all of Steve's works. And uh, we'll, we'll put HR puke and shit on there so you guys can watch that and <laughs> um, links to his uh, production company so you can follow along with what he's doing. Uh, thanks again, guys. Thanks, Steve. And thanks, Alrick, for a fun conversation. Yeah, thanks, Steve. That was awesome, thanks, man. man. I appreciate it. And everyone, have a good week. Talk to you on Monday.